He's right in front of me, and I can honestly tell him that I'm going to knock him spark out. Leaping right hand by the Prince. Ooh. And a hard left. And Kelly's down for the third time. You're very welcome back to our Decade in a Day festivities here on Off The Ball. I'm Ronan Mullen, joined for the next hour or so to recap the last 10 years in boxing with the Off The Brawl A-team. It's Phil Egan and former middleweight champion of the world, Andy Lee. Lads, how's it going? All good. Happy Christmas and all that. Happy New Year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, decade in a Day, it's tough to condense everything down into an hour, but we're going to try. What's your top line thoughts before we get stuck in? Good, positive, bad, indifferent, what do you reckon? No, it's good, and I think it's got better as the decade's gone on. I think matchmaking has improved because social media, and we've talked about it on the show before, where you know it's a tool that you can use to call out fighters, and if they don't reply to you, then they look like a chicken and they won't fight you. And that's one way of doing it. And because there's so many different platforms now, promoters are under pressure to put on really good cards, not just a good main event. They need good main cards as well. So. I think that's only good for boxing. There's still going to be the odd fight that, and I know we'll talk about it probably over the next hour, the odd fight you want to see that you just don't what think will happen. What, here's the question. What fight could have been made over this decade that didn't happen that you would have liked to have seen? Yeah, that was actually one of our listeners' questions. It's, oh. it's a big one because um, like the obvious one this side of the pond probably is Brooke Can. It's the one that's been talked about in the UK and Ireland a lot, but there's been other ones. I'm Why? Like, Wilder against Joshua. Yeah, but you see, Can Brook, you would have liked to have seen when they were in their prime. Yeah. And Mayweather and Pacquiao fought. but At least it happened. It, yeah, but it was awful. Yeah. It was five years too late. It might have always been that way, though. Yeah. might have always been that way. You never know. Possibly, You got yeah. to see it. And yeah. look what Pacquiao's still going, so... Still beating Keith Furman. So, mm. has to be something has to be said for the win. Birthday this week, he's 41 years young, so he's still going strong. He's in the conversation for Fighter of the Decade, possibly. We'll have a chat about that in a few minutes. Before we get on to the decade, we should probably just look back on last weekend very quickly. It's part of the decade. Yeah, it is yeah. part of the decade, and uh, one of the off-the-ball moments of the decade in that final list was Michael Conlon in Rio, and he finally got somewhat of his revenge there at the weekend against Nikitin. A little bit of choppy waters, but it was relatively routine in the end, Phil. Yeah, it was. Uh, what was interesting about it, he pretty much fought the whole fight as a southpaw and then slipped into orthodox every so often. And actually, that's when he had his most troubling moments of the fight, where Nikitin would catch him with right hands. And I think actually, he didn't. one judge didn't give him a round, but I would have given Nikitin at least one round, maybe two. And the fifth round in particular stands out. The eighth round was a good tear-up where they went toe-to-toe, but he got a bit of a cut as well. It's done now, but I kind of expected a better performance from Conlon. Maybe he put too much pressure on himself, where he thought about it too much, that he was trying too hard. That was his reaction, wasn't it? Do you remember? I don't know where I saw it. On one of his social media pages, said, like, I had the weight of the world on my... Yeah. All the way to the country. Yeah, no, he did, so, yeah, he did say that straight after. It's in good the to have that, that off his back. Apparently, it's a title eliminated next... That's what I'm hearing in March, and then all gone well. We'll title fight in August, so in Belfast, with the mountain. It just felt like the narrative was more tricky for him to navigate than the fight this time, where he just wanted to get this one out of the way. Speaking to him before the fight in the summer, he was like, "Oh, I'm over it." Like, and he top rank made him go back and do it. So he probably just wanted to get that one done. 2020 should be a kick on year for him, so hopefully it will be. It's definitely a kick on year for Tiafimo Lopez, Phil. And I know you were pumped for this last week. This was the fight I was looking forward to the most, and. As good as it was, we only got two rounds of it, but uh, yeah, some knockout. Yeah. Mm. Well, some stoppage. And you knew it was going to end early. I didn't think it would end that early, but yeah. And what was interesting before the coverage we had on Air Sport over here, they did a, a sit down with Teofimo Lopez and his wife beforehand, and he was just kind of talking about some of the troubles that he had. And that's probably why he didn't look so good in his last fight, but. Um, 
yeah, he's uh, he he was back doing a celebration in the in the ring. Some man for a flip, but um, yeah, Lomachenko. Piece of a right hand. Yeah, that's going to be. And the difference between one landing and one missing. Mm. Yeah, that was a split. It was like you know, what I mean, it was an inch or two. You know, there wasn't much in it. Mm. And Lopez against Lamachenko has sort of airs of Mayweather against Canelo, where Lamachenko might think, let's, let's take this guy now before he gets really good. And uh, that's looking like April, so that'll be a great start to the next decade. And one man who's been very dominant this decade is Terence Crawford, who's cleaned out the light welterweight division and since moved up almost could be considered the guy at welterweight, even though his resume wouldn't dictate that. He did show some fallibility there at the weekend, which might, almost like Golovkin, tempt people to fight him now where he was looking so supreme that no one wanted to fight him now people might be more tempted to jump in with him yeah Cavalazos definitely had a lot of um, opportunities to land good shots on him and that actually is one of the fights the Crawford Errol Spence fight is one that has been talked about for the last couple of years and it's we're going to go into the the decades going to pass us without seeing that but um, yeah like, that's nothing down to do with lads dodging each other because of been scared to lose records that unfortunately is a clash of promotions and they have to decide how they can package that up but if you were Errol Spence watching it you'd be thinking yeah I wouldn't fancy or I would fancy a crack at at Terence Crawford I wonder did he look past Cavalauskas you're always going to have an nights like that mm. but one thing about him he's he can switch up his style and dog it out can yeah. he, he can, mm. and he never thinks he's going to lose That's his, I think his biggest asset as well as much as his skill is, is his attitude and his approach. No, as you said on previous shows, he's a throwback. It's refreshing mm. to see someone approach fights the way he does. Even when he goes through adversity, he just he always backs himself to come through. And he took him out pretty conclusively yeah. in the end. Uh, one last bit of contemporary news before we move on, and we can almost tie it into fights we want to see. One fight that will happen is Fury Wilder too. And Tyson Fury's got a new new regime, Andy, and apparently you're front and center. Oh, you are. The you are. You are. Sugar Hill gang. Band back together. You are. Sugar Hill gang over here. So tell us, what's the what's the inside scoop? The inside scoop is um, I would speak to Tyson once in a once in a while. We keep in touch, and then he got in touch with me. We were talking away, and he said, "I'm thinking about bringing in somebody else into the camp." And we went through a number of coaches who we both know, or maybe I know probably better than Tyson. He was asking my opinion of them, and I put the name of Sugar Hill. His name's Javen Hill. Mm. His grandma used to call him Sugar, so now he's called Sugar Hill. Because it's a good name. <laughs> Friend of the show as well, he's been on. He's been on, yeah. So uh, they had worked together previously in Detroit and in Austria at the Klitschko camp. And I think, I just thought it was, a, I think it will be a great fit. The way Sugar Hill trains, there's an emphasis on balance and punching with authority and being smart and controlling controlling your opponent. Wilder is always going to be a dangerous fight. Mm. You know, you could have the best game plan, the best preparation, and it could still all go wrong with one punch. Um, but Tyson, I won't say how well I think how he has to fight to win the <laughs> fight, but I think Sugar Hill's a good addition. It's unfortunate, it seems, that um, Ben Davison will no longer be involved. That's when I spoke to Tyson, he said, yeah, Ben, and, and I said to Sugar Hill, like, Ben Davison's there, he's his coach, and he's bringing you in. Sugar Hill said, yeah, I'm happy to work with him. I've been in this position before with other coaches, and we'll all work together and get the best result. So whatever's happened between Ben and Tyson, it's, um, it's between them. Um, but maybe they can get it back on, maybe they won't. I was, I was looking forward to being in the camp with, with them. Um, and watching them work and learning from both Sugar Hill and mm. Ben Davison, but... But I, I remember before the um, the first Wilder fight, you were saying that Tyson had given you a call that maybe he might link up with you or ask you to Yeah, it was just unfortunate at the time because I couldn't do it. But this time, I'm going to be out there for the most of, all of February, um, the end of the camp. And I'll just, just, I don't know what my role will be, effectively. Second set of eyes almost. Yeah. And someone who knows him personally as well, mm. maybe more than, than Sugar Hill knows him. And someone who can um, just just be there and give my opinion, and and I also know a thing or two, so I can <laughs> we know <laughs> work him work him a little bit as well. There. Do you have any input into the promo tour? Um, no, <laughs> you you big dasa. Yeah, I will be entertaining as the last. I one. think 
he needs good. Obviously, you need the best sparring partners. I was that was interesting with Anthony Joshua electing to come over and spar. Do you think that's bluster or do you think he's serious? I, t- I t- texted Tyson straight away, have you seen this? And he said, yeah. And I've just put out a video saying, you're welcome to come. So With the doggy ears on the yeah. Snapchat filter. <laughs> <laughs> it came up on Sky Sports 2 and my daughter was like, look at the dog, look at the dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just don't call him a dosser if you want to get it. Yeah, so but that, would, like, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, and he's going to be a big part, as I said, of the next couple of years and I'm sure he's going to come up as we review the decade on this show. So let's get into the 2010s now and start with our first award, Boxing Moment of the Decade, and I'm going to make an executive decision to start with this. Hard left hand oh. by oh. Oh. There's that Andy Lee right hook. There's that right hook. There's that right hook. He caught him. He's choking. He's matching. And Benny Bela stops the fight with Korobov standing up. Andy Lee has another miracle victory. That is so far the signature win of Andy Lee's career. Hey, that is an, a legitimate upset, a shocking upset knockout win for Andy Lee. There you go, former middleweight champion of the world, Andy Lee knocking out Matt Carbov for the WBO title. Andy, what a moment that was. <laughs> it's definitely my moment. Oh. Well, well, how do you define a moment? What's, what have you got, Phil? We're not going to get into the moment versus Wrote achievement. Wrote down a few things. Favourite moment. Look, just to prove it wasn't a fix. Andy Lee becomes world champion. Well, that, that, I think that should be across the board here. Just like, yeah, that's of all the things right. uh, we're going to discuss today, I think that's comprehensively right. our, our favourite <laughs> moment. But Obviously, I didn't know what else. Like, without, without my moment, I think Katie Taylor becoming Olympic champion in 2012. Yeah. With everything that was riding on it, the build-up from how many years and the pressure and to do it like that, I think it's probably my show. I also enjoyed Carl Frampton when he beat Leo Santa Cruz in New York. That was really special as well because two undefeated fighters and Santa Cruz was looking unbeatable at the time and yeah. Frampton went in and really beat him. Beat I just him think that, the way, yeah, not to disagree with you, it was no, a totally no, great just, moment. I think just yeah. think that the way Katie kind of captured oh, everyone of course, following yeah. it, I don't know, but definitely Carl Frampton. There are so many. It's so hard. And you're always kind of... I think we're always going to be prone to recency bias as well when, you, when you're summing up a de- decade. But, like, that's yeah, no, 2012. We, and yeah. I th- you're right, like, the pressure. She was the poster girl for, for women's boxing. And, you know, people just took her for granted she was going to go to London and win the medal. And I can only imagine the pressure on her. So when... Yeah, that moment when they raise her arm, like, that... I can remember watching it. I actually watched it at home on my own because I think for the semi-final I was in the office and people that wouldn't watch boxing, obviously Katie gets hit. That's part of it. She doesn't get hit that often. but So every time she got hit, people would be screaming. And I was like, no, I, I need to watch this at home on my own, in a room on my own because this is just going to be torture. But when she won then, like you find yourself getting emotional because you followed her for so many years and then she finally gets to the top of the mountain. Mm. And uh, Katie's going to come back around in our, when we get to Women's Fighter of the Decade, but Andy might be too embarrassed to talk about the Carabao fight, but he brushed that back up yeah. pretty quickly, but we should go back to that, Andy. So at the turn of the decade, so you just fought, I think your, your last fight of the last decade was in Ireland, and then your first fight of this decade was in Ireland as well. Oh, yeah. So can you get back into your mind's eye, like where were you, do you think, coming into the, the new decade? What were your goals in 2010 time? 2010, I think I was obviously on the t- title uh, trail, mm. I guess. I was l- looking to push on and try and fight for a title. I was dying to get a rematch with Brian Vera, trying to re-establish myself after that last still I think get myself back to I don't know just get people believing in me again even though I had won several fights after that last of era um, but it's a long time ago yeah I think I was just fighting and winning and getting mm. you know I was kind of on the road a lot in 2010 I think there was a period of time where I was fighting like every month even though I'd had 18, 19 fights at that stage, you know, so I was busy and picking up experience. But, yeah, obviously, I think Martinez would have been the champion in 2010. Maybe Kelly Pavlik, maybe Pavlik or Martinez. I think it was Pavlik, yeah. So those were the guys I was looking at, you know. Those fights never happened, but um, 
And goals change, obviously. So going back to, say, the previous decade, going into the 2000s, turn of the millennium, it was all about Athens or getting to the mm. Olympic Games. You did that at a time when it was rare that we were well represented at, at those games. And then similarly, world title time, like that was a big goal to achieve. And you, you got there ultimately. So yeah. and you look at what Irish boxers have done in the amateurs and in the pros since. So. I was a trailblazer. That's it. And, <laughs> and like that, that Karabov uh, fight obviously stands alone in terms of memories, but there were so many things dotted across the decade, like Craig McCune, such a mm. such a memorable fight. Even the Quillen, like, was a bit of a slugfest. Like a lot of people talk about that one still. Is there any other highlights beyond the obvious? No, just um, it was a tough time, you know. Like that, well, the, f- the first five years of the decade. Even though there was there was as many ups, there was as many downs, and you know the um, the boxing business and all of the politics. I had as much as many ups as many downs in terms of great fights and great wins, but also a lot of disappointments and things that never happened and frustration and not really having a name, but an aim of where my career was going. But uh, obviously, yeah, I enjoyed. I learned to enjoy. After the Chavez loss in 2012, I learned to enjoy my wins because even if they weren't great, say so against Fitzgerald or against Frank Horta, I enjoyed those, not as much as the Carbo fight, but I enjoyed those more than I would have when I was younger. You know, I'd won fights when I was younger and I just, it just wasn't nothing to me. You know, I just felt like that's what I should have been doing. But yeah, I did learn to enjoy it and appreciate winning because I'd had so many, I had, so many bad setbacks. That's that's what I would say. Yeah. Mm. Well, ten years ago, I was just about finishing school. I was an Andy Lee fan, so uh, this is qu- still quite surreal that we're presenting the show. But Phil, what are, what are your memories of the Carabao fight? I left my cousin's uh, birthday party just to watch it in the room of my own, going ballistic. People yeah, didn't know it was, what. To it was one of those where, yeah, it was on. I remember getting up. I got up to watch it because uh, when you get to our age, Ronan, you know, you you can't. Uh, you can't recover as quick, so I went to bed early. You know, it was one of those Andy Lee's fighting for a world title, and uh, got up to watch it, and probably woke the neighbours up when you when you stunned them with the the first yeah. shot with that. And then, you know, I think by the end of it, I was standing up, throwing punches with you at the TV, and so yeah, it's just an unbelievable moment. So beyond the Irish ones we mentioned there, like moments. The Joshua Klitschko fight for me felt like a big moment in terms of who was like the size of the crowd, 90,000 people. It felt like everybody was watching that. Lads, I don't think, like friends of mine who hadn't watched a boxing match before of note and probably haven't watched one since were all keenly invested. And it was such an obviously entertaining fight. Mm. There was no like, oh, if you're a boxing fan and enjoyed this, you could see what was happening. Yeah, you could <laughs> see. We're going to speak about fight of the year, and that's definitely a fight of that game, but that's definitely in with a shout. That fight alone, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Not just of it's you know, something about heavyweights moment, as well. But it's, yeah. Yeah. We love heavyweight boxing because of the way it can change throughout the fight, and that's what happened that night. And it was like a passing of the guard in a way that, like, when Fury beat Klitschko, it was kind of off Broadway a little bit. It went under the radar ever so slightly, I th- probably because no one gave him a chance going over there, and then it was kind of caught everyone on the hop. This Klitschko Joshua one was built as like the passing of the torch, and it almost went one way, then it went the other, and then came back to Joshua. So that felt like a defining moment. Although the heavyweight landscape now is very different to how people probably felt after that one, where he's probably maybe third in the pecking order. But again, we can probably get back to that. Um, we'll go on to Women's Fighter of the Decade. We already touched on Katie Taylor, and I think this one's pretty straightforward. We're going to break it down into Irish and world. I think there's a very good argument to say Katie's both. Like yeah. she's yeah. by far the Irish one, honourable mention for Kelly Harrington, world champion, very brilliant fighter in her own right. But Katie's a transcendent athlete, possibly the most impactful Irish athlete of all time, given what she's done. She's basically changed the face of an entire sport single handedly. So for that, I just think she's nailed on for both of these awards. Yeah, I think that's one we can all agree on. Yeah, yeah. and um, can't put it in better terms than what you just said there. Yeah, and even like just the year that she's had. She's yes. unified still going. two time. Yeah, 2020 is promising to be even bigger. Yeah, and like there's, we'll give honourable mentions obviously. Clarissa Shields, brilliant. If this was an American podcast, they'd probably be talking about her. Nicola Adams. Nicola Adams, Cecilia Breikhaus, undisputed, like, uh, and Amanda Serrano, who's won titles in about 15 divisions at this stage. So they all deserve mention, but Katie seems like she's beyond the, the ring. She's beyond yeah. the ring. Yeah. She's beyond the ring. So that's, that's why she's getting that one. The mailbox one's a bit more 
tricky, I think. So we'll start with the Irish one. I think there's a few candidates, Andy Lee included. There's a few. <laughs> I don't come into it. Brian Burnett, mm. unified champion. Michael Conlon, world champion at amateur level, has done uh, well as a pro so far. There's a few, but Carl Frampton seems to stand out here because he's won three world titles in two divisions and fought some big names in that time as well. So there's a few in the conversation, but I think he's probably yeah, getting my vote. I think Frampton, I give Frampton my vote as well. You mentioned the Leo Santa Cruz fight. That was the same year that he beat Scott Quigg. That was a fight that was talked about for a long time. And, you know, the, the feeling was that it would happen eventually and it might be in Belfast but the fact that he went to Manchester and, and got the win yeah kind of really but he, and he's also fought sorry to interrupt you through the decade yeah do you know what I mean he, like his career basically began in this decade absolutely and you know he fought Kiko Martinez twice the second one obviously you know he gets the, the world title and then he, like, he was tw- he was fighter of the year after that, that 2016 he got named fighter Ring of the magazine, year Ring Magazine yeah. yeah so which is slightly more prestigious than the Off the Brawl Stars well look only slightly only, only Carl will tell you that <laughs> but um, yeah I, I think I wouldn't have any complaints with, with Carl getting it sorry Andy yeah no for me as well him and Burnett um, TJ Doheny as well given how he went and won the world title yeah. and put up an unbelievable performance against Danny Roman almost unified the division yeah he deserves a mention as well but time, yeah Frampton is, seems elite, like he's almost, you could almost make an argument for him being in the world one, given what he's done and the, the depth of uh, opponents he's fought. He's fought consistently world-class opponents for about six years at this stage. So um, so we're going Katie Taylor as the Irish one and the world, and we're giving Carl Frampton our Irish fighter of the decade. Is that where we are so far? That's where we we're are. We're agreeing That's, so far. Yeah, this but this is, is I this think, is the next bit is where we could have... Right, so take a deep breath. There's a, there's a good bit to get through here. I think for the last decade, the contention was purely between... Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, and the Pacquiao got it in mo- by most publications. Oh, zero to oh nine. Mm. Mm. So it, it was very much between zero those. through oh nine. Yeah, yeah, like it was a toss up. I would have given it to Mayweather. The likes of Ring Magazine gave it to Pacquiao. So that was kind of fifty fifty. This one seems a lot more tricky. So you've got Mayweather still in contention, pound for pound for a long time. Also got the win over Pacquiao, even though it was a bit underwhelming. Mayweather also beat Canelo. Uh, who's since come in leaps and bounds himself and is probably in this conversation built up a hell of a CV in, in the intervening years. Crawford, who we mentioned, like Floyd's successor at 147 as the king in the division, in my opinion. And like, let's not forget what he did. He won a lightweight world title and undisputed at uh, light welterweight, which is rare. Um, Golovkin, the boogeyman for a long time, almost, if you actually look at his record, the wins he's got aren't great. Like Curtis Stevens, David Lemieux, Daniel Gale, Kel Brook are his best wins that are conclusive. The likes of Danny Jacobs was close. A lot of people gave it to Jacobs. Derevianchenko, similarly, a lot of people gave it to him. And Canelo, this is the unlucky one where a lot of people gave him the first one over Canelo. He'll never have that in his record. And you feel if they always fight again, he might never get that one back. Uh, Chocolatito, who often gets forgotten because he's in the smaller weight classes, four division champion, was pound for pound in the middle of the decade as well for a long time. So he deserves a mention. Vladimir Klitschko, who, again, because he fought all these guys, that maybe these Eastern European names that no one can pronounce, he doesn't get the credit he deserves, but a hell of a fighter as well and a great record. Lomachenko and Usyk, both similar, so Olympic gold medalists, we should remember, and have done really well in their young pro careers so far, so they're included. But last but not least, and if there's any more to mention beyond those, feel free to shout, but I think the top prize should go to Andre Ward, given what he did. He was unbelievable in the Super 6, went in as an outsider, I think he was fourth favourite in that, went in, beat everybody <laughs> like pretty clearly, and then took a couple of years off, bit of management issues, promotional problems, then took on Ko- Kovalev when nobody wanted to fight Kovalev at light heavyweight. He moved up, fought him, beat him up, and then beat him a second time again. So, so you're going Andre Ward. I've gone going. with the same thing. Have you? Yeah. I See, thought when you look at a decade, look at Mayweather's whatever fights he had in this decade, Fighters are past the best. Yeah, Madonna twice. That's that's a great. That's and he has beaten Canelo. He was younger, but for what you said, you look at the fighters that Andre Ward fought and beat: Carl Frotch, Kessler, and the Chad Dawson one's almost written off a little bit because it was at a catchweight. But he destroyed Sullivan Chad Dawson. Barrera, yeah, Edwin Rodriguez, who was a hell of a fighter at the time, and still is. And uh, Andre Ward could still be fighting. Mm. Like, he just he decided to step away when he, at the top. And 
Who? Canelo is a big shout. Yeah, Canelo is a big, we, big shout for past me. Canelo? Because, like, the only thing I would say, he's fought those... Yeah, I don't know. I, I, Canelo's got a huge, like, a draw and a win against Glavkin. And I thought, I thought the draw was fine. Yeah, so no. It's all about opinions. Um, and the win over Danny Jacobs. I think... I don't know, Canelo was in with a big shout. The way he's stepped through the weights. Cotto as well. Cotto's yeah. probably older. You know, he was probably past his best. Anyone beyond those I listed? I know that was a bit of a... Beat Chavez. No, I kind of thought it was between Ward and Canelo. And Mayweather, because kind of the second half of the decade, and even the way he finished things, some of those exhibition fights that he had, um, that kind of took away from it. And... Yeah, so, mm. like it was, it was I was kind of leaning towards Canelo. Um, I wondered, should I, like, morally, because of the ban that he served? Mm. Yeah. Then what a fight it would be, though, if they ever fought yeah. each other. There was some talk of it. Like, there was a couple of things, yeah. He, um, I think it was Ward himself tweeted, who, who can beat Canelo? And he subtweeted, he was like, I might know a guy. And he just put up a picture of him training, so that would be a hell of a fight. Um, it just I'd never write off Canelo anymore. He has dropped the 175 uh, title, so he might never return there, hopefully. Nah. Uh, he look, He looked at Kovalev and he said, I can beat him, and then that was it. I'll so get out of there. It's looking like Saunders or, or Smith for, um, for Canelo and me, and those are good fights as well, so looking forward to those. So we're all happy. We're going with Andre Ward, I think, on the, on no, the, yeah, no, it's, on the vote of two to one. Well, look, that, that's how it works. It's, yeah. uh, it's a split decision. And if there's any doubt, Andy gets the casting vote. So <laughs> we're going with uh, Andre Ward. So I think that's a pretty good crop we've, we've managed to stumble upon there. That's fair play. Yeah. Five of the decades is a bit trickier, isn't it? There's so many here. You're thinking about levels. Like, few, you're going yeah. entertainment versus world class. Give us your few. Okay, so what did I do here? Where did I put the, the fight of the decade? Okay, you mentioned AJ and Klitschko. Mm-hmm. It's up there, yeah. Which one did you think was better between Canelo and Triple G, first or second? Second one. In my, that's probably my fight of the decade. I think that's the highest yeah. level plus action-packed fight I've ever seen. The combination of the two was incredible, especially watching it live and the drama around that. I started looking back at fights and the one that sucked me right, like right back in 2013, Bradley Provodnikov. <sighs> Unbelievable. What a fight that is. There was a ser- series of fights between those guys and even, um, do you remember Mike Alvarado? Alvarado. Yeah. Mile High Mike. Yeah. Like those Brandon fights Rios. it was. Yeah. yeah. Those those fights and they were early in the decade, mid, mid to early. Like. Freddie Roach is in Provodnikov's corner and he's saying like, I've got to pull you out here. You're getting, you're, you're too much damage and then it's almost, it's like, the you old know, classic uh, cliched one is like, okay, I'll give you one more round and he does put it. Bradley down in the last round. Now, Bradley gets the decision, but if people haven't seen that... Crazy fight. Brilliant fight. And it's off the back of... So Bradley got the decision against Pacquiao and like no one in the world thought he won the fight, yeah. including his own team. And that he was, played a part. And he was like, like, yeah, I want to go in and prove a point against this guy. And Bradley's not a puncher and he was in there with a ferocious, uh, hungry fighter and... Like, fair play to him for yeah. even... I always thought Provodnikov would go on to better things. Mm. But as I said, like, th- you can't fight like that. Mm. No, you can't use your head as a... Well, it took a lot of damage. Like, yeah. not only the facial damage in terms of swelling and cuts and things yeah, like that. Yeah, he always caught, didn't he? Yeah. Um, throw a few more in there, Phil, but one I mentioned, Victor Ortiz against Andre Ber- Berto, Andy. And I was at that fight. Manny Stewart's famous commentary. Yeah. Berto was all over... Oh, o- my God! Yeah. <laughs> Berto was all <laughs> That's over... That's pretty much it. Yeah. Berto was all over him going in for the kill... Left hook yeah. and kind of wobbled him. Another left hook, down he goes, and it's just pandemonium in the stands. Yeah. And that was another one. Those those two felt like the coming welterweights. Like they, these guys are going to be the next crop, and it never really kicked on. But a hell of a fight in its own yeah. right. Yeah, I was there at that fight. It was pre- like it was a privilege to be there. Unreal. Yeah. And then Can Maidana, which was in 2010, just about sneak, sneaks yeah, in yeah, here. That was, that's probably is that that's Can's. Final Signature hour, win. Yeah. yeah, it felt like that was a turning point, but in reality, that was the highlight. Well, two of my favorite fights actually is Lomachenko Linares. Mm-hmm. I think that's like in terms of the skill, and also for skill, Crawford Benavides. That's Crawford Benavides is a sensational fight for anybody to watch. And like I keep referring to that with Paddy Paddy Donovan to tell him to keep watching this fight, keep watching this fight, and to me, like that's a sensational fight. Mm. 
Like there's a couple more, as you said, there's dozens, but Usyk Bredis, which was a class fight in the Super Series, and Cleverly Fanfara, which is one Christian outside mentioned, which kind of people will forget, but if you go back and watch it's that, crazy, yeah. it was a crazy fight. It was kind of hits record punch stats, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it so many punches. So I think if, if I had to pick one, it would be, uh, of the decade, it would be Golovkin Canelo 2. Like Lomachenko Lenara is probably a close second. Yeah, I like I like like I like number one. I I I like the first fight with them as well. Yeah, uh, Triple G. Yeah, and Canelo. Yeah. Who are you going with? I. Yeah, I I think the fact as well with Canelo and Triple G, why you probably pick it above it's because of the stature of the boxers as well. Stakes as at well. the yeah. time, yeah. Now, and that's not not to take away from like Bradley was a world champion, and like I said. If you, that that fight is sensational, but yeah, I I love both the Canelo and Triple G fights. And like to bring it back to a football analogy, where like in the Benitez Mourinho years, it was kind of those big games were like one nil, nil nil. Mm. Whereas Canelo and Golovkin, the second time, just laid it all on the line. We've spoken about the narrative before of Canelo or Golovkin asking Canelo to fight, and Canelo stood right in there and fought him and beat him. So mm. for that reason, I think it, it deserves a mention. I'm actually going with Klitschko Joshua for my fight of the decade. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're gone. So you get the casting vote, Andy. No, but you've gone. You've gone what? Glovkin, Canelo. Yeah, I go. Glovkin. Number one or two? No, I went two. Right. Two. So I'll, uh, I, it's a draw. It's a draw. I'm giving out. It's a majority draw. No, so you, and you got the same. I don't mind. I, I, no, I, I love can see listen. it. Joshua Klitschko, yeah. sensational. I yeah. just think it was a moment in where people actually, when boxing had a few bad years of big fights being disappointing and also being controversial yeah. for the wrong reasons where these fighters, Klitschko and Joshua, handled themselves like gentlemen. Yeah. They shone everything that was good about the sport. So yeah. that's why I picked it. Does it help as well? It was prime time for us in terms of TV. That's what I'm saying. Like, like It was everywhere. If you went to watch it in certain bars, I know it was pay-per-view, so only certain bars would show up, but they were wedged. Mm. I remember thinking about trying to go and watch it somewhere, but ended up getting into a taxi, racing home, just to make sure it got there. But like that, watching it with people that weren't interested in boxing, mm. but were fascinated by this fight. Yeah, and it's the keystone moment of the decade. I think it's the defining thing of this decade, the rebirth of the heavyweights. And I mentioned Vladimir Tetschko, it's important to remember him because when it's all said and done in 50 years' time, when people look back at the record books, they look at him and think that was a hell of a fighter. He just didn't have the opponents. Or maybe he was just too good. Maybe he did have good opponents, but he was just that much better than everybody else. Where had, We had to wait till he got old, where he was in competitive fights. And for that reason, it's a really fair share to put Joshua Klitschko as, as number one. Well, how, how good does Fury's win look? Yeah. Because he beat him in his prime. Now, yeah. he beat him without a manual, so that's a little asterisk. But he beat the best. best beat him in his own game. Yeah. 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 Beat, beat the best. The, I remember like, the, the build-up, just the, the hours before that fight, there was a bit of messing going on. <laughs> Where at one stage Peter How Fiori, he just totally got into Vladimir's head. Yeah. And just exposed exposed Vladimir's in, insecurities in a way. Yeah. It was uh And I think one one heavyweight we haven't mentioned who might get into the conversation here is uh, for knockout of the decade, Deontay Wilder, this could be a category all of his own, but uh, I think his one over Brazil probably sneaks into the conversation here. Spicker too. Oh yeah. scary. There's a few, like I'll give you my one straight up and I don't know if Andy agrees. Sergio Martinez against Paul Williams. Yeah, mine is Pacquiao Marquez. getting knocked out by Marquez. Yeah, um, but yeah, Martinez is a peach, isn't it? It's just pretty. It's, I feel bad watching that now, knowing what happened. What's happened to Paul Williams since a car crash and is in a wheelchair? So mm. I know it's it's uh, hard to watch it now in a sense. But he's not dead. You know, it's just a completely unrelated thing. It's a sensational knockout, yeah. Uh, yeah, for people, who, for people who don't remember, because it was 2010, it just about gets into the category here. Another one that felt defining, Andy, Adonis Stevenson against Chad Dawson. Yeah, and that First was round. so unexpected. And the celebration after. <laughs> was he with Kronk at that stage, yeah? Yeah, he was with in, in the Kronk shorts, I remember. This mm. vivid, like him jumping up and down, like because as he said, it was unexpected, and Chad Dawson was the man at the time. Cleaned him out with one shot. Yeah. And, like... If we might get it as one of the listeners' questions in our Real Zaragoza Cup, but one that got away, Stevenson against Kovalev should have happened. Like that should have happened. Yeah, it should have happened. That would have been a hell of a fight when they're in their primes. But sure, you know, it's the age-old thing in boxing. There's at least a couple of fights every decade that were like that should have happened. Um, 
knockouts. Car crash against George Groves at Wembley. Again, given the mainstream nature of it. Yeah. 80,000 people at Wembley. Is there 80,000 at that point? 80,000. He knocked out George Groves in front of 80,000. Again, because it was at Wembley, and it, again, it felt like one of those fights that everybody was watching, and there was so much contention around the first fight, that it just felt like a, a momentous one, especially in this part of the world. It probably didn't make many waves in America, for example, but um, a memorable one nonetheless. So, have we any... What are we going with there, do you think? Well, Knockout. I think... I think Andy, Lee, Andy Lee, John Jackson. It's up there. It's definitely it's up, up there. there. It's up there. It's one of those viral boxing clips of the decade, for sure. Yeah. Oh, you went viral when you tweeted about me uh, winning the title. I'm just giving you some credit, Andy. Thanks, big, big props. Yeah. I, I think Marquez, because of the fact that they'd fought so many times, and that was the most definitive win. Yeah. I also, yeah. Lo- I also love Marquez not fighting again. He was like, no, that's the lasting memory that people are going to have. Yeah, like... Pacquiao just face down on the canvas, not moving. Like it was, uh, he just because of what had happened in the previous three fights, it was something that you didn't think was going to happen. So that's why, like, what are you looking for in a knockout? The, the surprise element and the the sheer wow factor. So, mm. so the, we're going with what do you think? We'll let Andy pick. I'm going with that. Cool. We're going with that. Marcus Pacquiao. Um, and then round of the decade, we don't have to dwell on this too much because this is the most objective, I would say, but. Like, Fury Wilder jumps to mind straight away. Round 12. Yeah. Mm. The fact that he won the round. Yeah. Got above the floor and won the round. It felt like, for all the world, that fight was over. And won the rest of the round. Yeah, won the rest of the round. Yeah, given just... I remember a friend of mine who wasn't watching the fight, I was keeping in touch with him and said, if Fury just avoids a knockdown in this round, he wins. (laughs) And (laughs) that didn't happen. But then, not only did it not happen, I was thinking, he ain't getting up. And Chavez is back this week, but he didn't do a tap against Martinez for 11 rounds. The and then round. the 12th round yeah. was absolutely mental. Yeah. So. Martinez is extremely tired. Yeah. I, I, I've got no vote in this. What about this AJ and Ruiz? I think. In I, think it's, if, if round I, three. I think it's between AJ Klitschko round five, where AJ puts him down and you think it's over, and then Klitschko comes back, puts him down, and then it's AJ Ruiz. So it's between those two. I think AJ Ruiz probably feels more like more that was memorable, yeah. definitely. Because I'm sure one of the categories we're going to go into in a bit is probably upsets of the decade, and just the fact that Joshua puts him down, you think, right, that's it, it's yeah. all over, and then he gets put down. So yeah, that's all good. So we're going with uh, I think we're going to go with AJ Ruiz for for round round three. For round of the decade, so we've got a pretty good list there. I'll put it up for anyone who wants to check out our rankings. Disagree with it. <laughs> so we're going to go to our reels, our custom mug. These are the. Why is, is there a particular story behind the mug? That's the only thing we could put oh, those okay. things in. So this is a mixture of categories we don't have time to get to and listeners' questions. So Andy's going first. This one's for you. Here we go. Is Amir Khan a Hall of Famer? Ooh. What do you think? Whew. But Embiid silver medalist at seventeen. What is he won? Weights at two weight, championships at two weights. Two weight world champion, yeah. Um, Phil doesn't think so. I can tell uh, by his face. I think Hall of Fame. I I don't think. I think he has to do something special in the next year to to guarantee not to guarantee but to cement it all. I think he's in with a shout. He's in with a shout because. You just hang around long enough and eventually you might get voted. But and the people he's fought, like if you keep losing to these people, it doesn't really do, like uh, what's his name, uh, Rosado has fought everybody but he's lost everybody, so mm. he's not going to go in the Hall of Fame. I don't think he is. I think, a hall, uh, for me personally, the Hall of Fame should be reserved for special and great champions. You know, one-off guys who don't have losses like that. Mm. You know. Well, we mentioned Don Air. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's nailed on. He's just, he's just had there that fight again. There are different reasons. They're sustain, like sustaining being a champion. You know, the now as a, as like as a super flyweight and bantamweight, he he was sensational. But uh, over time, he changed his style and like he still he still lost to Frampton. He lost to. Uh, Walters, he's lost a good few yeah, fights. Yeah, he's lost to a few. Lost to, yeah, and he's lost the fight too, you know. He, in a way, the last 
couple of weeks ago. But yeah. so he's almost playing with house money now, though. It's like he's done. Is mm. just how he fights and the fights he put up. So there's ways to lose, isn't he? You know. Yeah. So the answer is no, no to me. Okay. To me, I don't know. I think long periods in between fights, inactivity. I think he stopped being a real serious fighter a number of years ago, and just now it's about big names, big fights, and big money. Yeah. Well, what have you got there? I got how will Floyd and Manny be remembered in history? Yeah, that was an interesting one. Someone sent in because I think Floyd is going to be remembered as the best up there with the best we, fighters. Is of this all question time. about how they would be remembered together? As in, some people sure. will say. If they had fought in their prime, Pacquiao might have beaten them, or just generally, I suppose who how the two lads will be remembered, probably separately and as an item because they were linked together for so long. So I, I don't know. As Andy said, was up there with the like Ray Robinson and Ray Leonard. He probably doesn't get that quite now. Again, it's probably like Klitschko, where it'll be decades hence, where it'll be people will look back and look at his resume and think like he did unbelievable stuff in the early part of his career, like pre. Money Mayweather, like the pretty boy guy who was yeah. beating everybody, unbelievable fight with Corrales. He was just class, like so. late, like the the late and in, uh, at the end of the last decade where he was, you know, he obviously had that win against Hatton. He beat De La Hoya. So yeah, he has to go down as like he would go down as a greater boxer than Pacquiao. No doubt about that. One more, Andy. Yeah, well, pa- Pacquiao is a sp- is is is. Like, the, yeah, he'll go down as a great fighter because he's beaten him and he's beaten mm. fighters like that. But Pacquiao is kind of a unique fighter, isn't yeah. he? And also up there with, with the best of all time, in a, in a way, like, you know, yeah. you, have to, you have to give him that much, that much credit and things. Here we go. Should Howard Foster have stopped it? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're reading out the jokes from Christmas Crackers. <laughs> waiting for a one-liner from Andy there. I don't know, actually. At the time, I thought that seems way too premature, but yeah. he, he actually probably did Groves a favour in retrospect. Maybe, and it got Groves in this, uh, no, a rematch and a payday yeah. because it was controversy. Probably shouldn't have stopped it at that moment, but it, do I do don't do think it would have changed the one result. More punch? One or two more punches, that could be the one that does severe damage. Yeah, I think Groves' perspective on that has actually changed since mm-hmm. the gut neck uh, thing. And he probably obviously wasn't in as much trouble as Eddie was, but it's still, um, he probably thinks about things a di- bit different. And the fact that he won a world title ultimately anyway, he, he might have turned things around. Right. Corona in there now, he's, there we go. he's itching. For this. Will there be a big show in Dublin in the next decade? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one because... In the next decade, I'd say, yeah. Like, I, by big show, I presume, they mean three arenas. Well, it's fight. Yeah. Yeah. You think so? Maybe not this year. Not, not in 2020. Maybe 2021. A swan song or a goodbye fight for Katie at some stage. Would be perfect. Would be the perfect time, wouldn't it? Mm. Like, that is the... Other than that, you can't really see maybe Paddy Donovan fighting for a world championship. Paddy Donovan and Jason Quigley on the same card. Mm. Andy Lee makes a comeback. Andy Lee, Lee promotes it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is the one. It's well, one significant black mark on the decade from an Irish boxing point of view. That you know, it's been a real stigma around the sport in in the last couple of years for reasons outside of the sport itself, which is a shame. Whenever that happens in any sport, really, that's that's always sad when it's the focus isn't on what's happening on the field of play or in the ring in this case. So. Hopefully that can be rectified. It's a problem above the likes of Andy who's training or the likes of Leonard Gunningham who are managing. This is a big, this is like almost a political thing. So hopefully that can be, um, that can be rectified. I've got one here. Fight you'd most like to see in 2020. Oh, yeah. In 2020, realistically... Fury, Wilder, Wilder, Fury. Joshua, with either of them. I think the one I want to see, because uh, I want to see... Like it could definitely at Wembley would be Fury and Joshua. I think that would just. Can you imagine the numbers that would do? Uh, okay, like the, I don't know what the American audience would think of it, but it would be unbelievable. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see as well the the press conferences. Joshua doesn't let much get to him, but I think Fury would wind him up. Mm. Like there's so many great fights to see, and that's on a, like on a big kind of crossover, like global event but also Crawford against 
um, Spence. Spence for a boxing standpoint, like a purist standpoint, that's that's one that you'd love to see. But in every division, there are fights that will that you'd like to see happen, wouldn't they? You yeah. can go for the divisions and say and and, and look 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 forward. But I think if Crawford Spence doesn't happen next year, it begins to go stale. And for that reason, I'd like to see that happen. I'd like to see Crawford fight anybody. Like, or, or, uh, Sean Porter has been putting his hand up. Even that would be a good fight. We saw how good Porter did against uh, Spence. So let's, let's see that one. They both seem up for it. Um, a couple more very quickly before. I didn't get to put them in the hat, but um, feel good story. I, I thought of Darren Barker when I saw this. Yeah. After a while, he went through and managed to win his world title in quite dramatic circumstances. Anthony Crawler, similarly. Miracle man. Like, uh, came from domestic. Who is? Danny Jacobs. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And in the same breath, Anthony De- Anthony Durrell, who overcame cancer himself to become world champion. Yeah. Tyson Fury, the fact that he came back mm. from all his problems and stepped in against Wilder, and a lot of people thought he was crazy for taking on that fight with two like really low key, mm. low energy fights, and then he was stepping into the the lion's den, and afterwards the kind of reaction he got. So that, yeah. I think Jacobs for me. Here's one you might like, biggest anti-climax. And this actually, David Hayes' baby toe, I think was probably... Oh, that was a terrible fight. That was an anti-climax. I thought, I thought it was a good, it was a dominating performance by Klitschko. Klitschko, yeah. And you're no, as good as you're allowed to be. It was all Hayes' talk though, yeah. that he was going to go in and take his head off. He never really even threatened yeah. to do it. So. Um, and the toe thing. I think, biggest anti-climax thing, anything with Adrian Broner in it, Oh, well, Broner Maidana wasn't an anti-climax. Um, no, it wasn't. But he just he just he, he just talks and then he do, doesn't really back it up. Um, Rigondo. Mm. We got to see Rigondo in the flesh and in the city west. He came over here and dispatched Willie Casey and just even the way uh, there was just certain fights where he expected big things from him and he just didn't. Uh, it wasn't down to a, a lack of ability. The ability was always there, but he'd love to know sometimes what was going on in his head. Yeah, even um, the way the Lomachenko fight went. A bit of a general one from Tara, but it kind of sums the whole show up. Really, what are we most excited about going into uh, the next couple of years? So, anything like beyond the fights that are coming up? Like Andy, it's a very exciting time for you with your brand new stable. Yeah, it's kind of I've been drawn back into boxing the last six months. We're never have never really planning to get back in and, and this kind of. Oh, suck you back in. <laughs> Next thing you'd be you'd be lacing them up for a yeah. world like, title shot. <laughs> uh, obviously, Paddy progressing. Like by the end of the decade, he should be world champion. Um, that's what I. Sp- that's why his talent. Anything else than that has been a real mess up by me or by him. Really, because he's, he's, he is, I can't keep saying it, but he is sensational, Paddy. Jason Quigley will be world champion as well. And um, yeah, help Tyson Fury become the number one heavyweight in the world, which he already is, but hmm. give him the belts. Solidify it. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Any other categories, Phil, we should touch on before we go? It's, it's a hard There's thing one to there, The best quote, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it had to be Larry Merchant. Oh, the Ortiz one. I wish I was 50, 50 years, years younger. Uh, yeah. Kick your ass. It's Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. Yeah, after the. No, it was classic. Uh, best ring walk. See, I was trying to think of what, what are you looking for in a ring walk? Are you looking for what it does inside the arena, what the kind of buzz it creates? Mm. Or, like, I think, so even we're just watching back the Fury ring walk against Wilder where he has a bit of gala, free from desire, but he has it remade to his, yeah. his name. But it gets the crowd, like you were in the stadium. Mm. Like the crowd goes absolutely crazy for that. I like Michael Conlon's walk-ins. Yeah. That was actually class in Belfast, yeah. Yeah. Um, not to go on for Frotch all the time, but Frotch against Boutet was, was brilliant as well. No easy way out. Oh, you love Frotch. Yeah, but I just love Fight that. Fighter of the Decade. I love Frotch. <laughs> it did feel like... He's in with a show. Carl Frotch is in with a show for Fighter of the Decade. Yeah, well, seeing as we're talking about it, I'll bring him up one more time. <laughs> it, his win over Boutet on Normal Sky actually did a lot for boxing in Britain because... We mentioned Klitschko against Hay. That put the death knell on pay-per-view boxing. Sky were like, no thanks. That was embarrassing. We're not doing it again. And it was Frotch who basically single-handedly brought it back because it was such a good fight against Boutet. The Kester fight was on pay-per-view. was brilliant. And he kicked on from there. Joshua was on his undercard at Wembley. And that was it. Passed so the torch to him. And it's Frotch's fault that we have to pay to watch White yeah. and Jazora. It'll probably be €30 Euro <laughs> by, uh, by this time next year. 
So uh, that's about it, isn't it? What a decade it's been. Great decade of fights. It's gotten better and better, and I think we've had more big fights and big fighters fighting each other. You know, so you can't really throw that at boxing anymore, that the best time fighting the best. Mm. I think it's kind of start, it's, it's happened over the last few years, and hopefully we'll continue in that way. Yeah, and one of the reasons uh, we started this show, and thanks for everybody for, who's watched it over the last 18 months or so, is because it was so, there were so many brilliant fights that we wanted to talk about, and it felt like it's just gone from strength to strength, so for that reason... Ten years of off the brawl. Yeah. Great decade. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, thanks, for, thanks to everyone who got in touch uh, throughout our Decade in the Day special so far. We've been live from 7.30am, uh, and we'll be with you right through the day on YouTube, Facebook, offtheball.com, and OTB Sports Radio. That's it for the boxing hour, though, lads. Uh, pleasure as always, Andy and Phil. Good Happy man, Christmas. Robin. Seconds out. That's it. Uh, thanks to Emma Carroll for her help on today's show and to Tom Nugent as well, who's been with us throughout the year. Off the Brawl will be back in January. You can find our new stream on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For now, though, that's all from us. Good luck.